0: Show. The streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin production, starring Carl Malden. Also starring
1: Janet. I got one name, Janet.
0: Tonight's episode, Mister Nobody.
2: And that's me. I am Patrick Riley. Welcome to episode six hundred and eighty-one.
3: Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 Everybody.
2: Thank you for checking out the Riley and Kimmy Show. This is your very first time we talk about nerd stuff. That's what every episode's about. Escapism. Pop culture escapism. And right next to me is a person who keeps me out of trouble, at least tries to. That is Kimmy.
0: A strange woman who left her mark on all of us. Who crossed her path.
2: That's right. She did. (laughs) Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And now, Kimmy, I have to say one thing to you, and it's this.
4: Oh, oh. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Pour a cheerful toast and fill it, happy anniversary. But be careful you don't fill it, happy anniversary. Oh.
2: Yeah, 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 happy anniversary, Kimmy. Happy anniversary. Oh, well, thank you, and I bet you didn't imagine you'd be uh, sitting across from me uh, all those, uh, you know, light years ago that, uh, uh, you know, we got together uh uh-huh. Did you? You never thought you'd be sitting in a studio with me doing this kind of a show. No. Which is kind of interesting because long, long, and I mean long time ago, I was at a uh, radio station where uh, I was offered the morning show of one of the radio stations I was management of, and the deal was they wanted Kimmy to be part of that.
3: And I was like, there's... I never knew that.
2: And I was like, there's just no way... Let's admit it, way back then you were very, mm. very shy. Yeah. No, it wouldn't it, have happened. <laughs> it, it, it would have been a train wreck, right? Mm, yeah. And so I, I and I mean I was I was whined and dying for this to happen and because some visionaries had this idea and and then when I I was still with the company and I took over another radio station in the chain, uh, the morning position was one they wanted me to take over. And once again, it was, hey, you and Kimmy should be doing <laughs> doing the, the morning show together. And I said, are you insane? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, are you nuts? No. <laughs> I mean, you're crazy. But uh, they were very persistent on that. And that did not happen there. But what's very funny is I'm very good friends with the individuals who had that idea way back when. And when we went together with the Riley and Kimmy show, <laughs> one of the first things I was reminded about. Mm. There was even artwork drawn, you know, for this concept way back when. Really? Oh yeah. And so I'm like, okay, um, yeah. You, uh, the person who has that, I said, you are a big time nerd. He goes, I knew I was right way back when. Matter of fact, I knew we were right. And I said, yeah, I remember being in a meeting with like four different individuals, all in suits, uh, trying to convince me that this was the thing to do. Hmm. And I'm like, you don't know. What you're talking about?
3: Hmm.
2: What you're seeing is not what you get. I <laughs> go hmm. She cannot. She does not like you know being out in public. And you didn't at that time, did you?
4: Mm-mm.
2: So, yeah. Anyhow, I had uh, to do some deprogramming. Yes, and that is true. And that's really a cool thing. Now, you know, one of the reasons, I, and I'm going to mention this, and I hope I'm not getting too uh, behind the curtain for you, Kimmy. Mm-hmm. If I am, just raise your hand, and I I will. Okay. So nobody will know that I'm going down, and I'll, I'll steer away. Fair enough. Okay, mm-hmm. because one of the reasons we can get away with that is Kimmy refuses to do this episode on video as usual. Anyway, but she has promised something. By the way, I'm going to reveal something here. As we click over to the calendar in the 2016, she says we're going to. She's going to step in front of the camera more, correct? Mm-hmm. So that is something that's going to happen. That's kind of a surprise, a little special announcement. But what I was going to talk about is there's a reason this date was chosen. Do you mind me saying why it was chosen? Mm-mm. Okay, why don't you tell the reason that is chosen since you're no longer shy.
3: Well, one of the reasons is because um, it was my uh, mom and dad's anniversary, and also my mom's mom and dad's anniversary.
2: That's correct. And for me, the reason uh, Kimmy decided that uh, you know this was a must must choose day is this date always had a bad time for me for a long time, way before I even knew Kimmy. And the reason being, one of my parents passed away on this date, and it was also the same date, just a different year, that a grandparent passed away or at least had was discovered I had discovered that grandparent who had been passed away or had passed away like four days or more before and it was on this date and so that date just did not you know register very well with me and then after that grandparent years later my one parent passed away and then something else really bad and nasty and you know all those no, no woes me things happened on the same date so the date was not exactly a good day for
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: you said, Hey, let's just change around and make that date good. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really a cool thing. So from that time period on, I no longer associated that day, date, with a bad thing. Kay. So it's kind of mm-hmm. a kind of a cool thing. Matter of fact, an entire radio station I worked at changed its entire format and staff on that date too. I wasn't even counting that one. Oh. Isn't that a weird thing? huh. I mean, I'm serious. It's one of those where you show up and they say, Well, we're not that format anymore and the entire staff's been let go.
3: All right. On that date.
2: Wow. So that date in me just did not get along very well. Uh Uh-huh. Isn't that kind of weird? And it's not even... And you know it's weird? It's not the 13th. I have a friend that if it had been the 13th, he would have wigged out. Yeah. I don't think he'd ever gotten out from underneath the bed. I mean, he still has, you know, issues on that. So anyhow, that's the reason the date was chosen. And by the way, if you happen to be in Central Florida... And you're a good friend of ours or just a friend of ours. Uh, you can uh, participate in a little uh, anniversary thing I got going with Kimmy. I have more details available right on our Facebook page. Just go right to that at RileyandKimmy.com. You are welcome. I'm serious, right? Mm-hmm. You, it was. And by the way, I am not kidding here. Um, before I posted on Facebook, I was with some very good friends at the Hourglass Brewery. And I mentioned it to them. And I think they thought I was kidding. And I said, "No, it's Kimmy's idea, and it was your idea, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I, I had nothing to do with this, except I'm just the Paul Revere here giving out the message. And it's like, no, I, this is Kimmy's idea. And so I, I you know, I pass that out. Mm-hmm. And by the way, one of the individuals I forgot to mention in episode 680 is artist Josh Bauer, very good friend to the Riley and Kimmy show of JB Designs." And Josh and I got to uh, talk a little bit, you did too, Kimmy, and mm-hmm. we talked about his uh, big convention that happens in January, and it is Ignition Inc. that happens, uh-huh. and he's invited to Riley and Kimmy show to that. Josh's a really cool guy. He, uh, he actually paints. Yes. And, and yeah, wait till Josh sees some of my paintings. Yeah. Wait till you <laughs> see, some. Josh, look out, buddy, wait till you see what I'm working on now uh-huh uh, yeah oh and then we're not talking paint by numbers we're talking about we're talking about painting by madness mm-hmm. <laughs> you've seen it, oh you? that's right. nice right. You, you like that i paint by madness here's do you want to describe what's on my current canvas and do i or do i not have a canvas in my hands right here next to the microphone you do i really do i have a 16 by 20 canvas right here in my hands and kimmy do you want to describe my latest project
3: oh i don't know it looks like vanilla ice cream splattered on a white floor hey <laughs>
2: You don't see. You don't see what's there. You don't see the vision. I see a blizzard. <laughs> you don't see the. Okay. I see white. Okay, turn on the windshield wipers. Do you see the vision that is there on this canvas? Uh-uh. You, you don't. You don't see it. Well, you know what? You're going to see it real soon because this is going to debut at one of our appearances coming up just around the corner. Uh huh. Now I. It won't make it to Megacon Fan Days, I'll tell you that much. But after Megacon Fan Days, we're going to be at quite a few locations. And you can find those out right at our website at rileyandkimmy.com. You can find out exactly where we're going to be. This creation, matter of fact, I got two of them, Kimmy. Hopefully, both of them will make it. But at least this one will make it to one of those events. Okay. And you know what? Maybe I'll give it away. Okay. What, What do you think about that? Okay. Right now, I won't give it away the way it is. But right. But when it's when it's finished.
3: put a few drops of paint on it. Hey,
2: will you stop it, the, the, Kimmy? I see the image already. The images. I see what's there. Okay. You don't. Mm-mm. You know. They say some very good sculptors. They can look at a block of rock and actually see the, you know, the finished piece right there. Okay. Just got to remove the rock to get it there. So that's, you know, it's right there. I see it. Look at that, Kimmy. All right. Uh-huh. See, this is one of the reasons the episode, this episode of the Riley and Kimmy show should have been on camera because then I could hold this up to the camera and I know somebody out there, one of our talented artist friends, like Josh possibly, or you know what, maybe a Hump, Humphrey Ching, would have went, oh, yeah, I see what he's talking about. I see exactly what he's, they would have seen it right there. They would have mm. went, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. They. Yeah, yeah, I just got to talk to another artist. That's all. Yeah. And I want to clarify something just like I am in the world of cosplay. I am the worst. I am the worst artist, the worst drawer on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. I wear that with a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. That's me. Okay. And by the way, speaking of Megacon, which we did, Megacon Fan Days, big thank you to Megacon Fan Days and Megacon itself for inviting the Riley and Kimmy show to Megacon Fan Days, which as we upload this show on a Saturday, it is just days away, Kimmy. We're we're clicking over to the seven-day mark. Mm -hmm. actually less now since when this is you know uploaded. good grief yes are you are you ready Uh uh-huh i hope so it's happening november 21st and 22nd that's saturday and sunday in orlando at the orange county convention center this is a huge event tickets are on sale right now go to our website at rileyandkibby.com for a link right to megacon fan days and get your tickets that's right. You do not want to miss out. A lot of celebrities will be there. Panels. They just uploaded, by the way, uh, or just provided, posted their their schedule of events. Well mm-hmm. oh, man, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Yes, I mean it's going to be a fun-filled two-day period of time, and that's happening in Orlando, Florida. Now, you know, if you've been to Comic company before and you're, you're one of these, that says, well, it's just too big. This one's going to be a little bit smaller. I want to point that out. There's a lot of space, though. There's 100,000 square feet of merchandising going on fun cosplaying and all kinds of stuff and by the way speaking of merchandising vendors and stuff that'll be there there's vendors from all over the place i mean all over the country will be there providing you know some early possible uh, holiday shopping for you uh one of them to check out is comic central check out comic central for your pop vinyls and for your uh, graphic novels trade paperbacks and comic books and by the way if you can't make it to MegaCon, or even if you do go to comic central they're located conveniently in sanford florida It is the comic book shop to go to for your comic book needs. They have everything that you need. They can order anything out of Diamond. That is the big catalog of stuff for comic books. Right, Kimmy? That's right. So be sure to check out Comic Central. Tell them that the Riley and Kimmy Show said hi, for they are very good friends to the Riley and Kimmy Show, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Kimmy, I thought we just... Quickly make an abbreviated almanac today. We're not going to do a trivia thing with you like we do from time to time. Now, it was on this date in history. November, the reason I'm doing was because it's an anniversary thing. Uh I I thought I'd give you a little break. Okay. Okay. It was November 14th, or actually we are at November 14th on the calendar. We flipped it over. It was on this date in history that an Alfred Hitchcock movie was done. And the movie is with Cary Grant. And there's no way on earth you'll be able to name it. (laughs) The name of the movie is Suspicion. I bet you've never seen Suspicion, have you? no i haven't okay now suspicion was in 1941 on this date it was released it was a romantic psychological thriller directed by hitchcock himself and actually he had his fingers in the screenplay it was originally based on a on a book and that was turned into a a play that rko pictures had gotten a hold of and they actually had the original uh novelist write the you know the film version but hitchcock came in with his wife who actually you know wrote a lot of the the stuff with somebody else. Well, they wrote their own script and they tossed that one, and so they shot *Suspicion*. Now it stars Cary Grant and Joan Fontaine as a married couple. It also stars Nigel Bruce. You might remember that name. It might be familiar. Know the voice because he was part of the Sherlock Holmes films back in the 40s. Now this was a very big role for uh, Joan Fontaine. She uh, she got Academy of nominated for this and won the academy award for best actress in 1941 now this is the only Oscar winning performance in a Hitchcock film so it's pretty big Hm. and one of the interesting things is there may have actually been two if something I'm, I'm not I'm not downplaying or dissing the actor But Cary Grant was not the first choice. First choice was Sir Lawrence Olivier. Mm. And Olivier could not get free for a project, and so Cary Grant was chosen. So I don't know what would have happened, you know, with the Lawrence Olivier thing there or not. May not have worked at all. Who, Mm -hmm. Who knows? Now in the film, a shy spinster runs off with a charming playboy who turns out to be a penniless gambler and a dishonest individual to the extreme. Now she comes to suspect that he's also a murderer and is planning to kill her.
1: Hmm.
2: And it's called Suspicion. I recommend checking it out. 1941. Now, at that time period, in the 40s, especially right around there, it was not uncommon for some very big movies to be turned into radio productions. And I'm not talking about the audio of the, of the movie being you know played on the radio. No, they actually did a full-blown radio production because things are a little bit different as you invoke the theater of the mind. And sometimes the actors from the films would reprise their roles and this film was turned into a radio production many times quite a few times matter of fact It was that popular Cary Grant did reprise his role we have one of the versions in which he did with Nigel Bruce it's kinda cool to hear them together on this radio production now this is full of ear candy now if you have a sharp ear here's something that's kinda cool from just a nerd perspective when the this is actually a drama this is not you know it's it's a, a thriller it's not a comedy okay listen carefully you will actually hear the studio audience laughing at areas that may not be the right area to be laughing at
4: mm-hmm. and
2: it's amazing that number one they had the it mic'd so it could be picked up i think the reason was they didn't, they didn't expect a studio reaction mm-hmm. at all otherwise they would have adjusted themselves so it wouldn't have happened I, this kind of thing it's rare for me to have heard that before And, but from a nerd perspective, it's kind of cool to hear because you actually hear that audience drifting into this production. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's soft. It's not, you know, blatant right there, but it's something to check out from a nerd aspect because Mm -hmm. I'm sure it drove somebody nuts. (laughs) And and they were, also they were, somebody calmed somebody down saying, well, you know, it, it, nobody will ever hear this again because that's the way all these shows were. They were not archived to be played back at a later date the recording technology was not like today wasn't like it was even 25 years ago it's a lot harder to record things they record them on big discs and so we're very lucky that this did survive that somebody did archive it going back to 1946 january 21st here's cary grant nigel bruce in suspicion on the screen guild theater on the riley and kimmy show
0: Lady Esther presents The Screen Guild Players. The Lady Esther Screen Guild play tonight Suspicion. The starring players. This is Cary Grant.
4: This is Loretta Young. this is Nigel Bruce.
0: Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players in Suspicion. It stars Loretta Young as Lena Isgarth, Nigel Bruce as Beaky Thwaite, and Cary Grant as Lena's husband, John Asgarth. The Lady Esther Screen Guild Players in Suspicion.
5: I am Lena Aysgarth. I have been married to John Aysgarth for the happiest months of my life. But those months are past. I have been living in terror for weeks. My days endless hells of suspicion. And my nights interminable eons of torment. I am certain my husband has decided to murder me. I can't prove it, of course. But I'm sure he's going to kill me. Just as I know he killed his best friend, Beaky Thwaite. But I can't prove that either. I guess I've always been afraid of Johnny. Some way, perhaps intuitively, I've known he was going to destroy me. As he destroyed his own good name. But I loved him. And even now, waiting for him to kill me, I love him. I I think that when Johnny does kill me, I'll die happy. It will be a relief. I can't stand this waiting. Johnny had a reputation for wildness before our runaway marriage, one of those generally bad reputations to which no one can supply any specific details, and I wouldn't believe generalities. Oh, I was supremely happy during our honeymoon, troubled only by the tremendous expense of our trip, but whenever I mentioned money, Johnny refused to answer. When we reached our new home, a mansion far beyond my most extravagant dreams, I learned why Johnny had avoided the subject of finances. Johnny received a telegram. Is it bad news, Johnny?
1: Oh, no, dear. It's from an old friend of mine. Stupid fellow. He wants a thousand pounds. You uh, couldn't spare a thousand, could you? A
5: thousand? Well, what does he want it for? Oh,
1: hanged if I know. Probably because I borrowed it from him.
5: (laughs) You borrowed it? Well, why? Well,
1: because I was going on a honeymoon with the loveliest girl in the world, and I wanted to make her happy.
5: But didn't you have any money of your own?
1: No, not a shilling.
5: (laughs) Johnny, I don't understand. Are you broke?
1: (laughs) Darling, I've been broke all my life.
5: But why didn't you tell me? Well, every time I brought the subject up, you... Well, whatever made you take this extravagant house? Well,
1: no, I didn't think you'd want to live in a shack. A girl like you is going to come into plenty of money any day.
5: Wait a minute. I can't quite get this into my head. Were you thinking of my inheritance when... Johnny, I don't know what to say. Oh,
1: no, darling, really. Isn't it silly to spend the best years of our life waiting? Why not be comfortable now?
5: <laughs> Johnny, I, I'm just beginning to understand you. You're a baby. Oh, I know you didn't marry me for my money. You could have done so much better elsewhere. But, well, my income will never pay for this.
1: Hmm. Well, uh, what about your father?
5: <laughs> well, he wouldn't actually want to live on your wife's allowance, would you? Well, answer me, Johnny. That was my introduction to Johnny's complete irresponsibility. He believed only in luck and lived his life on borrowed money in the hope that one of those horses on which he bet that borrowed money would win at long odds. I finally prevailed on him to take a job that had been offered managing the estates of his cousin, Captain Melbick, and he promised to stop betting. Oh, I was very happy for a few days. And then a couple of weeks after Johnny had started on his job, a man came to our house.
4: Oh, hello. I'm Beeky Thwaite. You must be old Johnny's wife.
5: Yes, I am.
4: <laughs> Didn't he ever tell you about me?
5: Beeky? Oh, yes, you're Beaky. <laughs> yes,
4: that's, that's oh. what they used to call me at school. I, oh. I happened to be driving by. I thought I'd just pop in for a cup of tea. Oh,
5: I'm delighted. I've heard so much about you, Mr. Frayton. Oh,
4: Johnny told me about you, too. Oh? I ran into him last week at the Newbury Races.
5: The Races?
4: Oh, put my foot in it again, have I? As usual. huh? I mean, uh, didn't he tell
5: you? Well, Johnny has a job. He, he couldn't have been at the Races. Besides, he's hes given up betting.
4: Oh, yes, has mm-hmm. he? <laughs> don't you believe it. Not Johnny. Old Johnny dropped a, a packet of money at Newbury, I can tell you.
5: <laughs> Where did he get the money to bet?
4: I don't know, girl. But if I were missing anything, I'd ask old Johnny.
5: Yes, I shall.
4: As soon as he comes home. Well, you won't have to wait long. Here he comes now. And load it down like old Nick himself. Huh. Hello, Bean. Well, well, Biggie.
1: Ah, uh, don't move either one of you. Just stay like that. I must watch the expressions on your faces. Ethel. Yes, sir? What have we to drink in the house?
4: Gin, brandy, champagne, and Pim's number
1: one, sir. Well, bring them all, Ethel. Get a move on. Oh, very
4: good, sir.
1: My friends, I have the pleasure of announcing that the Goodwood Cup was run today, and I happen to have backed the winner. A ten-to-one shot, and I had 200 pounds on him. 200 pounds? Why, that's... uh... 2,000 quid, Old Bean. Amazing, Beaky. How do you do it? These packages are the loot. Lena, what's happened to your tongue? Oh, I suppose you disapprove of my betting, huh? Oh, uh, not with those jewels in her lap, she doesn't. Oh, come <laughs> on, darling. Smile. I know I've been naughty, but look, it's all for you. I say, look, look,
4: look. Ethel's brought in the drinks. What about celebrating? Oh,
1: trust Beaky to say the right thing at the right time.
4: Oh, come on, Old Bean. I could do with a pull at the beaker. Well, here's one for you, Lena. Thank you, Beaky. And this is yours, Johnny. Thank you. And, uh, now for a toast.
1: Hey, hey, Beaky, what are you drinking, Brandy? Oh,
4: this this once, old
1: Oh, well, you know that's not good for you.
4: Oh, uh-huh. all right.
1: Well, all right, maybe just this once, huh? Oh, uh-huh. thanks, old boy. Lena, I drink to the last bet that will ever be made by Johnny A's, goth.
4: The last bet, old bean. Well, here we go.
5: <coughs> oh, Johnny Beaky's choking. Get some water, quick,
1: No, no, it won't help. I've seen this happen before. Brandy affects his heart.
5: Well, then why did you let him drink it? Here, help me open his collar.
1: Why bother? It'll either kill him or it'll go away by itself. I'm...
4: I'm sorry. I'm awfully sorry, old
1: One of these days, it will kill him.
5: That was the first time my intuition warned me of the cold-blooded savagery inherent in Johnny. It frightened me to watch his eyes as he stared at Beaky painfully struggling in a heart attack that he, Johnny, could have prevented. After that day, our life together took a definite turn for the worse, and one shock followed upon another. I'd been up to the bookshop to get some murder mysteries, which were Johnny's only reading matter. When an old acquaintance stopped me. Oh, hello, Mrs. Aysgarth. How are you, Mrs. Newsham? Has Johnny settled down to the simple rural life? Oh, yes, it seems to agree with him. Abandoned all his vices, has he? Vices? What vices, Mrs. Newsham? Oh, uh, such as betting at the races. For oh, instance? he has no time for that. He's much too busy with his job. Is he? Of course. He was at the Murchester races yesterday. He was? How interesting. Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. sick at learning Johnny had broken his promise again, and I went directly to Captain Melbick's office where Johnny worked to ask Johnny for the truth. Oh, good afternoon, Mrs. Aysgarth. Good afternoon. Is Mr. Aysgarth in? Mr. Aysgarth? Yes. Why, no. Well, when do you expect him? Well, I I, I really couldn't say. Uh, perhaps you'd like to talk to Captain Melbick? Oh, yes, I would. Very much, please. Well, then please follow me. Thank you. Mrs. Aysgoth, to see you, Captain Melbick.
4: Why, Mrs. Aysgoth. Good afternoon. What a pleasure to see you. Good
5: afternoon. Uh, Do sit down. Uh, Thank you. Captain Melbick, I, I don't want to pose upon you, but you're Johnny's cousin as well as his employer, and, well, I wanted to talk to you about him. I'm terribly worried.
4: Well, yes, I can understand that. But I told him I wouldn't prosecute, of course, if...
5: I don't understand.
4: Oh, I told him I wouldn't prosecute.
5: What on earth are you talking about?
4: You mean you don't... What reason did he give you when I discharged him?
5: discharged
4: him. Why, yes, six weeks ago. We had an unexpected audit, and the account showed a deficit of £2,000 when I looked into Johnny's records. I, I'm terribly sorry, Mrs. Aysgarth. He should have told you.
5: you. You say you're not going to prosecute? Uh,
4: not for the time being. I see. I'll give him every opportunity of replacing the money. But after all, I, I, I can't wait indefinitely.
5: Does Johnny know that?
4: Yes, I told him that unless he made good, he'd have to go to jail.
5: And what did he say?
4: Oh, something about collecting on some insurance or something. He swore he'd pay.
5: After learning that Johnny was an embezzler, a common thief, as well as a gambler and a liar, I hurried home to prepare to leave for my mother's. But while I was writing my goodbye note to Johnny... He came into our bedroom with a telegram, telling me of my father's sudden death. Oh, he was very tender and sympathetic, and with his arms around me, I forgot his faults. After Father's funeral, during our drive home, I gave Johnny every opportunity to tell me of his trouble with Captain Melbick, but he evaded the issue. Instead, he talked of a grandiose scheme he had for developing a stretch of rocky beach into a resort. He thought the development would cost 30,000 pounds. And when we returned to the house, he began working on the scheme with Beaky. Who's going to put up the money for this development, Johnny? Why, I am, old girl, of course. Oh, I see. Well, the
1: idea's mine, but the the money's Beaky's. The company's going to be my name, of course. But, Johnny... Look, darling, let me show you how simple it is.
5: Does Beaky understand
4: it? Oh, perfectly, I think. You see, we... um... We buy up this land, then we sell part of it. That gives us a hundred percent profit in no time. Then, on the other part, we uh, we, we build uh,
5: something or other. Oh, Beaky, isn't it about time you grew up? Uh, I...
1: Look here, in what right have you got to interfere with my affairs?
5: Well, well, I wasn't really. I, well, I was only. I...
1: You, uh, you better go and change for dinner, Beaky.
4: Oh, what? Right. right, you are. Been, uh, Let me know if anything exciting happens.
1: Now. What were you saying?
5: I. I was only trying to tell Beaky that. that he shouldn't leave everything to you. Suppose that he...
1: Beaky had taken you seriously. You'd have ruined the whole scheme. Do you realize that?
5: Well, yes, but if it wasn't good, then but I. If
1: I say it's good, it's good. I'm going through with this deal, and I won't stand for any interference from you or anyone else. Is that clear?
5: Yes, it's clear. Johnny. You're hurting my arm. I knew then that Beaky was doomed. With the company in in Johnny's name, all he had to do was get Beaky out of the way and the 30,000 pounds would be his. And looking into Johnny's eyes, I could see Beaky's death notice.
0: The second act of the Lady Esther Screen Guild play will follow in just a moment. Now, a word from Lady Esther.
6: Have you noticed any change in your skin lately? Is it getting a little dry, a little flaky? Have you discovered a blemish here and there, an enlarged pore opening? Well, better watch out. Those are nature's little warnings that all is not well, that something is wrong with your method of skin care. All you really need for the complete daily care of your skin... ...is just one cream, Lady Esther Face Cream. This one cream by itself does all the four most important things your skin needs for beauty. And I don't just say it. I prove it. I prove it in 30 seconds with a famous patch test. To make this interesting test, just smooth Lady Esther Face Cream on one patch of skin, like one cheek. Wipe it off. Then compare that cheek with the other. See the radiant difference. Feel the difference with your fingertips. This 30-second patch test will show you how thoroughly Lady Esther face cream cleans your skin, how it softens your skin, how it helps nature refine the pores, and how it leaves a smooth, perfect base for powder. Remember, all I ask is that you let the patch test prove this. Let the patch test prove that Lady Esther face cream does more for your skin than any face cream you have ever used.
0: And now, the second act of Suspicion, starring Nigel Bruce, Cary Grant, and Loretta Young.
5: The morning after I attempted to interfere with Johnny's scheme to involve Beaky in real estate development, Beaky and Johnny wanted to go to Paris. And certain that Johnny would take this opportunity to kill Beaky for his money, I opposed them. And reluctantly, Johnny appeared to give in.
1: Tell you what I might do, Beaky. I might drive up as far as London with you. Well, that's a good idea, old How Bean. about that, Lena?
5: Well, it seems to me, Johnny, I that know,
1: that... I know. It seems to you that I should be looking for a job. Well, I'll have much more chance of getting a job in London than I would anywhere around here. Yes,
4: of course he would. I say, do let him come, Lena.
5: Well, I don't see very well how I can stop him. Hooray! Hey, well
1: done, Obi. I say, oh. dinner at Savoy Obi? Dinner at Savoy Obi. Little, little nightclub Obi? Yeah, little nightclub Obi. <laughs> hey. Come on, Biggie. Do your imitations. Make a noise like a duck. Go on. Duck?
5: <laughs> Johnny.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, quiet, Biggie. Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> want, promise do. me
5: you'll only go to London, that you won't go to Paris.
1: I promise, I promise. And if <laughs> things work out as I think they will. We'll be able to afford a little better living when I get back.
5: If things work out as I think they will, if things work out as I think they will, all that day and night those words kept pounding in my brain. If things work out as I think they will, those words meant only one thing to me. Ricky was going to die. Two days
3: later. Mrs. A. Scott? Yes? I'm Inspector Hudson from the County Police.
5: Oh. Well, won't you sit down?
3: Thank you. I understand your husband's not in, madam.
5: Well, no. No, he's been in London for two days now.
3: Well, I believe you know Mr. Thwait?
5: Oh, yes. He's a close friend of my husband.
3: Was a close friend, madam. Mr. Uh... Thwait died under mysterious circumstances in Paris. We're making inquiries on behalf of the Paris police. Found some papers on Mr. Thwait's person which indicated he'd just formed a corporation with your husband. I see.
5: What do the French police think caused Beaky... I mean, Mr. Thwait's death...
3: Telegram we received from Paris says Thwaite visited the place of his death in the company of another Englishman. Both men had evidently been drinking. On arrival, Thwaite ordered a bottle of brandy. Brandy? Yes, madam. Apparently, as a result of a bet between the two men, Thwaite filled a large beaker to the brim and drank all the brandy. The other man was not present when the actual death occurred, having left the place as soon as Thwaite drank the brandy.
5: Oh, I could easily imagine what had happened. I'd seen Beaky drink brandy before, as had Johnny. Johnny, Beaky's choking. Get the water,
1: quickly. I've seen this happen before. Brandy affects Beaky's heart. It'll either kill him or it'll go away by itself. One of these days it will. Be.
5: I remembered that. And it was all the proof I needed that Johnny has murdered his best friend, Beaky, by tempting him to drink brandy. Oh, it was very clever. But there was only one slip up. Johnny didn't get Beaky's money. The corporation papers weren't signed right or something. Johnny's desperate now, I know. Captain Melbeck has been phoning him every day, insisting that Johnny replace the money he embezzled. And that's why I'm so certain that Johnny's going to kill me tonight. I read a letter that came to Johnny from my insurance company. He was trying to raise a loan on my insurance, but the company wouldn't grant it. According to the terms of the policy, the letter read, Payment can only be made in the event of your wife's death. At a dinner party tonight given by Isabel Cornwall, our local celebrity and a murder mystery writer, Johnny was very critical of the murders Isabel's fictional characters committed. I'm sure that I detected a smug self-satisfaction in his voice when he told Isabel...
1: Oh, I'm afraid you're slipping as a murder mystery writer, Isabel. That last one was, well. It... Well, what? Well, for one thing, it's too complicated. If you're going to kill somebody, do it simply.
5: How would you do it simply?
1: Oh, I don't know, dear. Just, uh, Well, just use the most obvious method. The most important thing is that no one suspects me.
5: For instance?
1: Well, for instance, uh. poison. Oh. Yes, just use the first one that comes to your mind.
5: Oh, Johnny, that would never do. The police exhumed a body in Gloucester four years after the victim's death, and there was still enough poison even in the fingernails and hair.
1: But did they get the murderer?
5: Mm, No, I don't believe they did. Well, there
1: you are. This very minute there are hundreds of people who have committed murder walking about (laughs) freely. Thousands.
5: Do you suppose those murderers are happy, Johnny?
1: Oh, I don't know. Why shouldn't they be?
5: Fear of discovery, Johnny.
1: Yes, but it seems to me that by now somebody would have discovered a poison that can't be traced. You must have heard of one.
5: Mm, uh, I'm planning a very interesting corpse for my next book, Johnny. No, no.
1: Don't change the subject, please, Isabel. I saw that startled look in your eye when I mentioned the untraceable poison. What is it? I wouldn't tell in a million years. Well, I won't give you any rest until you do, so you may as well tell me now.
5: It can't be very long now until Johnny kills me. He learned the name of the untraceable poison from Isabel. And after bringing me home, he went for a walk in the village. And when he returned, he came up to my room, but I was too nervous to talk with him. And now, now he's downstairs getting me a glass of warm milk. And I'm certain that the milk will contain that poison. That's Johnny now. I wonder if it's going to be very painful. I hope not. I don't want Johnny to know that I suspect anything. I can't stand this waiting. I can't stand this waiting. No! Lena,
1: Lena, darling, what in the world is wrong? Johnny! How do you feel now, darling? Oh, what happened? Well, when I brought you the warm milk last night, you screamed and fainted.
5: Oh. Have I, have I been asleep all day?
1: Yes, the uh, the doctor gave you a pill this morning. Oh. Your nerves seem to be all upset. I was quite worried about you. Were you? Uh, you're still annoyed with me, aren't you? Oh,
5: no, no, Johnny. I, I just don't feel very well, that's all. I think I'll go to my mother's for a few days.
1: All right. Now run down and get the car ready. No,
5: no, don't, Johnny. I'll, I'll drive myself.
1: Say, say, wait a minute. What's come over you these past few days? You don't act as though I were your husband. Every time I touch you, you pull away. Now,
5: now, Johnny, you're imagining things.
1: Well, I'm not going to stand for any more of it. Come here. No,
5: no, leave me alone, Johnny. Please, leave me alone. No, stop me it, it, stop it, stop it. Stop
1: it, you little fool, stop it.
5: Johnny.
1: I've had enough. How much do you think a man can bear? Listen to me. You turn me out of your room, you go running away to your mother's. And now you shrink away from me as though you hated me. You're my wife, Lena. But,
5: but I, thought, I thought you wanted to...
1: Well, you won't have to put up with me anymore.
5: Johnny, where are you going?
1: First, I'm taking you to your mother's. And then what? Don't worry, I won't bother you again.
5: What do you mean, Johnny?
1: Why do you think I wanted to learn the name of that untraceable poison?
5: Johnny. Is that why you are asking Isabel about that poison? You. You wanted to kill yourself? Yes. Oh, oh my darling.
1: But then I saw there was a cheap way out, so oh. I'm. Uh, I'm going to see it through. Prison term and everything. Prison? Oh, my dear, I can't pay back the money I took from Melbeck. I, I made the last attempt to raise the money when I went away with Beaky. To Paris? Oh, I didn't go to Paris, darling. I, I went to Liverpool. I tried to borrow on your insurance there. You. But it didn't work.
5: He, you didn't go to Paris? Oh, of
1: course not, Lena. You think I'd have let some idiot give poor Beaky that brandy if oh, I had?
5: Johnny, my darling. What, dear? Oh, Johnny, I'd be so ashamed to have you know what I've been thinking. My imagination has been running away with me.
1: No, no, it's probably my fault, darling. I, I've done enough wild things to make you suspect me of anything, given the right circumstances.
5: Oh, no, this is as much my fault as it is yours. If I'd been really close to you, if you could have confided in me. Oh, but it'll be different now, Johnny. We'll make it different.
1: Hmm. I think we'll have to wait until after uh, well, until after I get out of prison, Lena.
5: Oh, I'll wait, Johnny.
1: Oh, it may be a long time, my darling. A long, long time.
5: I'll be waiting, I'll be waiting.
0: Thank you, Cary Grant, Nigel Bruce, and Loretta Young, for an absorbing half hour. Believe me, we will all remember your performances for a long, long time.
5: Well, Mr. Bradley, we won't forget being here tonight, either. An appearance with Lady Esther Screen Guild players, well, it's one of the highlights of the year for us. Because we all know the magnificent work being done by the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house. And we know that work is made largely possible by these programs, and we consider it a privilege to share in it.
1: Well, there's another wonderful charity, Loretta, one in which everyone can share. Do you know about all those little kids who can't move their legs? Kids who've never had a chance to swim, or skip rope, or play baseball? Kids who don't know how good it is to feel green grass between their bare toes? Well, those kids would be very grateful to you if you won't forget the March of Dimes. Be sure to give to the March of Dimes. Help those little kids walk again.
0: Thank you, Mr. Grant. And now, in just a moment, Nigel Bruce will tell you about next week's show. But first, here's a word from one of America's best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther.
6: How would you like to look the way you've always dreamed of looking, but never quite dared? You know, exciting, romantic, perhaps a little exotic. Now, I don't say that Lady Esther bridal pink face powder will perform miracles. But I do say this new shade will give life and color to your face, depth to your eyes, A real lift to your spirits. For bridal pink instantly makes you look more interesting and romantic. Women of every age have written to tell me how much more attractive they feel since they began using Lady Esther bridal pink face powder. Bridal pink has been deliberately blended to flatter even a dull or sallow skin. You'll see for yourself how it gives instant new life and vitality to your entire appearance. How it gives glamour to your skin sparkle to your eyes, even a new richness to your lips. And it really doesn't matter what your own coloring happens to be. You can use Lady Esther Bridal Pink, whether your hair is blonde or brunette, auburn or brown. The texture of Lady Esther Face Powder is so flattering, too. The instant you apply it, tiny lines and blemishes seem to vanish, completely covered. Your skin looks so much smoother, so much finer. If you want to present a dazzling new appearance to your family and friends, try this. First, smooth on Lady Esther four-purpose face cream. Wipe it off. And then apply Lady Esther bridal pink face powder. Bridal pink. The shade that instantly wakens your face to new life, new beauty.
4: And here is Nigel Bruce. Thank you, Albina. Next week's show is really a corker. I know you're all going to enjoy it very much. I know I will. Well, thank you. Cheerio. Uh, just
0: a moment, Mr. Bruce. Just a moment.
4: Yes, Albina.
0: Uh, you've forgotten one thing, I believe.
4: Uh, next week's show. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Sorry, Albina. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will bring you Brother Rat, with Wayne Morris and Ronald Regan. Oh. Next
0: week, then, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present Brother Rett. It will star Wayne Morris and Ronald Regan. Be sure to listen. Cary Grant will soon be seen in the RKO Alfred Hitchcock production, Notorious. Loretta Young is now making the Hal Wallace production, The Perfect Marriage. Nigel Bruce can soon be seen in the Universal picture, Terror by Night. You save enough on the largest-sized jar of Lady Esther face cream to buy a box of Lady Esther face powder. So remember... Ask for the largest size. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you, and good night, all. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
6: Visit RileyAndKimmy.com to connect on social media and for
2: archived podcasts.